It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we're going to talk about, today being Sunday, it's Sunday, so it's Sunday morning, we're going to talk about faith, and we're going to talk about how, what do you do when everything that you have prayed about, everything that you have believed would happen, when the sand just shifts under your feet, what do you do? So we're going to talk about that this morning, but today is Sunday, and just a few days ago, I guess, by yesterday, most of us had checked out of the Twitterverse and the Twitter space and the currency of the national news because we learned that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, and for many of us as women, she was an ardent women's rights advocate and activist, and she advocated for a lot of the... Uh, for a lot of what we do now to be seen and heard. It's very important that we are seen and heard. And she passed away. And in her passing, the the Republican controlled Senate wants to ramp through a justice appointment to the Supreme Court in an election year, like less than two months to the election. And you have to ask yourself why why is it so necessary and in such a rush when the same Republicans had said they would never do something like that, right? Hey, morning, Eric, right? And I, I kid you not, it, it's quite the thing. It's quite the thing because we all are kind of looking and, and wondering, and I'm just here to tell you all, just stand firm. Because when you look at it, there's nothing that none of us can do about this. Whilst it seemingly isn't fair and it seems like everything you're trying to do is not going to happen, ignore all of that. If you pay attention to the circumstances, you will miss the message. You will miss the boat. You will miss your purpose because sometimes in the midst of the greatest adversity is when you keep pressing. So I'm saying that because I too felt like, but why do you want to push through someone? I want someone who it's time for the Supreme Court to be more reflective of the flavor of the country and the color of the country. It's time for the Supreme Court to look more like us. And all that I can see is just a setup for for a war later on because between the Republicans and the Democrats, because then the Democrats are going to want to expand the court, if not impeach some of the justices who are there. Justices can be impeached because it's crazy. Why shouldn't the Supreme Court look like people like me? Why shouldn't there be more women on the Supreme Court? And why shouldn't there be more people of color? Why aren't there more black people on the Supreme Court? Why is the rush to appoint someone who is malleable, whom you can bend and twist? We don't want that. We don't want that at all. And, you know, you look at all of this stuff. You look at the fires burning on the West Coast that nobody seems to care about. You look at the fact that we're approaching 200,000 deaths in the coronavirus. Can you believe that, y'all? Today is the 21st, the 20th of of September. Hi, 
September 20th. Did I just say that right? The coronavirus became a thing for us in the middle of February. Today is September 20th. We were in smack mid in the middle of winter when it started, and we're now going back into winter. And almost 200,000 Americans have died. Instead of talking about how you're going to fix the coronavirus, you're worried about putting someone on the Supreme Court, it makes you wonder who is in charge, who is running the country. Do you care about people who look like me, sound like me? Our voices need to be heard loud and clear. And even if it feels like what we want is not being heard, still stand firm anyhow. I'm still going to stand firm on the fact that I believe justice will prevail. I still believe good will overcome evil. And I still believe why, despite the evidence to the contrary, I'm still going to hold on to that. So we're just going to go into that a little bit on this morning because I feel by Friday night, many of us had given up. <laughs> just as we were ready to sail into election, we got used to the electioneering ballots and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. We were just about ready to sail into it. Like, okay, this is our new normal. Here comes Justice Ginsburg dying. And here comes the Republicans saying that they're going to appoint someone. Okay, have your appointment. But here's what's not going to happen. You're still not going to win the election. So go ahead. Have your appointment. Have your justice appointed. We're not, you're not going to win because it's not the will of the people. Have you ever seen a time like this? I don't want to be very clear about it because there are scriptural references and context for things like this. When you look at how we are right now, you recognize that we have a leader who is not the will of the people. In biblical times, when this happened, the people would seek the counsel of God. So they would find the prophet. And the prophets were always way out there somewhere. They always looked crazy, always looked funny. They were never mainstream. If you read the Bible, you will never encounter a prophet who was mainstream. The prophet was never revered or widely popular. No, that's not the prophet. Because the prophet invariably spoke truth to power. And nobody likes hearing the truth. So you, they knew where to find the prophet. That's always that crazy person who is on the fringe. That person who just doesn't conform to societal trends. Who does things the very opposite of what the society wants. Isn't that the truth, Eric? Come on, you, you're hearing me. I'm feeling me on this. If you read the Bible, if you have read the Bible, I don't know, because so many people today have left the scriptures for that very reason, that nothing that current modern day preachers do look like what biblical preachers did. They don't even look like what people who lived 50 years ago did. If you think about the sacrifices, right? Right? If you think about the sacrifices, thank you. I appreciate that. If you think about the sacrifices and ask them to subscribe while they're at it, <laughs> thank you so much. Right? If you think about the sacrifices that Martin Luther King and preachers of his ilk and time made to preach the gospel, despite not having anything, they had to rely on the people. And today's modern preachers, first of all, they ain't showing up if they're not showing up in a jet. They're not going to show up if they don't have specific kinds of bottled water to drink. 
And they're not going to show up if they don't have 10 people walking in an entourage behind them, looking nothing like what people today, people then had to do. So in scriptural times, when the people wanted to know what to do, when they had an out-of-control leader or a leader who does not represent the will of the people and everything was going crazy, what did the people do? They went to look for the prophet. Now, what are we experiencing today? We're no different than the children of Israel. Are we? Not at all. Because right now, we have one side of the country burning to bits. The air on the West Coast is so bad that it is dangerous for you to breathe. You know what that also is? It contributes to what? You know what it contributes to? Lung infections. And the coronavirus is a lung infection. There is nothing that the government is doing to stop the wildfires. In another administration, they used to transport water out of the sea and just dump it out. They ain't seeing that now. It's like, okay, let them burn if they want to. As a matter of fact, people were protesting in Portland, and the leader sent people, sent people to go shoot unarmed protesters. What does that sound like? The own government of the people, by the people, for the people, turned on its own people. Crazy stuff, isn't it? Oh, it just looks like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Then we're looking for guidance somehow because the people already felt out of touch. They already felt like God left the building. He was not inhabiting the spaces of worship because people walked in on a Sunday with issues and walked right back out feeling worse on between Sunday morning after they're finished preaching and Sunday morning after then the preacher is done. As soon as he stepped out of the pulpit, he dropped his pants anywhere he felt like it. He did whatever he felt like. The preacher looked more like the society. In an effort to conform, we lost the space that God had created for us to be. We were supposed to be out there. We were supposed to be warning the people and telling the people that this would come. But we weren't on our watch. We were too busy spending time on our knees before man. We were too busy shopping, too busy pursuing everything else but the word of God. And I'm not one of those folks who like to come and pontificate and preach fire and brimstone because then you have those preachers too, the ones who scare everybody, the ones who preach all they preach is fire and brimstone. And if you so much as smile, God hates you. If, if you dare to go get yourself together, go lose weight and go work out in a gym and put yourself together, God hates you. Don't have fun. God hates you. If you go to the movies, God hates you. You can live in the world but not be like the world. You can do that. It's your integrity that counts. It is you, the person who makes at your intersection of your humanity and divinity. God meets you right there and you just lay it out and say, you know, Lord, I can't, I can't just live here and not go to the movies. I want to see the movies. I do want to go on vacation. I do want to have fun and hang out with my friends. I don't have to drink till I'm drunk, but I do want to taste a beer every now and then. I do want to have a glass of cognac every now and then. Come on now. They used to drink wine in the Bible. I do want to drink a glass of wine every now and then. God does not hate you. But if you listen to the fire and brimstone preachers, what they did was they made it seem like if you really want to join this Christian club, it's an exclusive club, by the way. And the exclusivity of it requires that you not participate in anything else. But you know what we found out? We found out that while they were telling us 
not to do this and do that. They were doing the very same thing that they told us not to do. So the people became separated from God. They're like, I'm not going up in there with those idiots. Are. You know how many people used to tell me that? I'm not going up in there to give them my money. Then they used Malachi 3 and 8 to beat the people and whip you into poverty. Malachi 3. So people started saying, if I'm a Christian, I'm going to be poor and broke. They were not wrong either. It was true because they used Malachi 3 and 8 to make it sound as if God is going to hate you if you don't give your 10%. Come on now, let's just be clear. How many of us struggled with that 10%? You were like, if I give up that, imagine if you earn, let, let's just level it up. Say you earn $2,000 a week. 10% of that is $200, yeah? So if you give up 10% every week, at the end of the month, how much 10% have you? You've given away $800. You're looking at it like, dang, I've just given away $800. I could have used that to pay down my mortgage. I could have used that to put away some money for my retirement. So what people were doing was paying it as they earned it. And then when you put it on your budget and your spreadsheet, you realize how much of it you were giving away. They used that to whip people into poverty and told people that God was going to bless them. But when you give the money, it wasn't going into up to heaven. It was going into someone's bank account. When the economy fell out and people lost their jobs, lost their homes, guess what happened, Eric? You know it. They'd go to the preacher, thinking the preacher would give them a check, or even some of the money that he had collected. He's not doing that. That's when people found out he was in it all the time for his money. So you having paid him your money over ten over over a year, just out of eight hundred dollars per month times twelve is nine thousand six hundred dollars that you were giving to the preacher. And after you gave that to the preacher, you don't have any money saved up for yourself. Hard times come, you lose your house, your car, your business, you lose everything on the kitchen sink. And guess what? The preacher still drove out of the church building to his house in the hills, still driving his Rolls, Bentley, or whatever form of carriage they drive. And you end up broke, busted, and disgusted. You know what was even worse? No, you need God. And you don't believe in God anymore. Because the God that you thought you served, embodied in that preacher, left the building. So God sat up in heaven and said, okay, I have time. You know, the Bible says a thousand days unto the Lord is like a thousand years. So hard for us to compute because as far as we can see, none of us human beings live for a thousand years. So we're like, Jesus, I don't have a thousand years in this game. Whatever you're going to do, can you do it real quick? They tell you don't have, don't talk to God like that. God is not a robot. God is a spirit. God is not robotized where when you pray, it just seems like, Though that America, you just get it. He just stamps approved on your application for prayer. No, it don't work like that. So God said, I'm going to fix it. So a plague came and shut all their buildings because you all weren't going to stop going in there. You were still going to go in there. People were still posting on Facebook. I love my pastor. Your pastor ever buy your house? How many houses has he bought for the people in his group? When I was growing up in the day and time, when my grandparents were in church and so on, when something happened to the people in the community, the pastor was the first one on the spot. 
If someone was in an accident, the pastor was the first one on the spot. In fact, you, we all knew where the pastor lived. Everybody knew where he lived and everybody went to him for prayer. And whatever church resources had was distributed to the family or families in need without fear or favor. These modern day people, however, don't think like that. It's all about them right now. There are people in their congregations who can't find food because it's people are hungry in America today. There are people who can't pay their bills, who are losing their homes, being evicted out of their homes, and the preachers still rolling. I saw one of them the other day living right here in, 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 the, in this area, and he, he's still rolling. Meanwhile, people are losing their jobs, losing their homes. They have given him all of their wealth. He's still rolling. He hasn't lost his house. Neither has he lost his building. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at it, you have to ask yourself, my, 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 my viewer, Eric Williams, thank you for joining us, is saying that love is what is missing. You're right. The love of God that was shed abroad for all men is missing. When you look at all these things, you have to ask yourself, so what happened now, Harriet? Well, have you prayed lately? If God told us he was going to fix this stuff, he did from the beginning of the year, I have been saying that this was going to, and it's going to look mighty shaky and it's going to look impossible. When something looks impossible, that's exactly how you know you're going to get it. That's exactly how you know it will come to pass. The more, as a matter of fact, the more impossible it looks is the greater the chance that you will get it. I wish preachers today would speak the truth. I wish they would be transparent and tell the people how they got over, how they made it, how to live in these times. They pay so much attention to endorsing politicians that they have forgotten that the biggest politician is the one in the sky. You realize right now in this world today that we're at the mercy of the coronavirus. Right now in Europe, there are 40,000 cases of the coronavirus per day. That means the European population as we know it is at risk. That means if this continues unabated, come December 31st, there will be less people alive. Right now in the United States, there are almost 200,000 people dead from the coronavirus. And you are worried about putting someone on the Supreme Court to rig an election that you're not going to win. You're not going to win the popular vote and you're not going to win the electoral college vote because you didn't win the popular vote the last time. So you're not going to win the popular vote, not with the racial unrest that is out there in the streets, not with how people are feeling. Systemic racism is at an all-time high. I have never seen so much racism as I am seeing right now. It's almost as if people are pushing it up in your face. They want there to be blood in the streets, and they're still not going to win because the time does not favor them. 400 years ago, they thought they had won because they had gunpowder and they owned the land. And so the slaves didn't have a choice in the 1800s. They didn't know where else to go. But now we're not afraid anymore. The Second Amendment or the First Amendment, whichever amendment guarantees you your gun rights, is it, it's guaranteed to all. It didn't say it was only guaranteed to white. So people are going to own guns and they're going to do whatever they feel like they need to do. The times have changed. 
In the 1990s, I read a report that said by 2050, America would be more brown than white. Last fall, fall of 2019, I attended a conference, a seminar put on by the U.S. Department of Energy. That statistic has now changed. It's not going to be 2050 anymore. It's 2030. Today is 2020. In less than 10 years, the majority of the country will be the minorities. The country will be a minority majority, meaning that the two largest groups of minorities are going to comprise the majority of people in the country. You want to know what is driving the politics? You want to know why they're shutting the borders? You want to know why they want Black people killed in the streets and arrested and thrown in jail? That is why. The majority will be brown and Black across the country, especially in, in states like California, California, Texas, Nevada, and Florida. What they're seeing in school districts is more brown people are enrolling their kids in school than white people. They're seeing it in, new, in states that are New York. You heard the president talk about blue states. He's president only of the red states. That's calling for civil war. That's calling for the blue states to secede from the union. That is outright war. So what do you do? We're going to have to stand on the word and believe God that he created these United States and that there won't be a secession of the United States. We're going to have to stand on that and believe it in spite of. And those of us who have experienced systemic racism, I'm encouraging you all to stand firm, stand your ground and stand up. Stand firm. Do not bend. Do not give in because we must erase it. Because listen to this. Systemic racism is what is the problem. White supremacy and the ideology of white supremacy that whites are superior. Therefore, they create structured racism. That is what caused the coronavirus to hit black people because you black people live here, white people live there. That's structured racism. There are only so many black people who are supposed to be on a job. That's structured racism. It's systemic because it is wide in its application. It doesn't just happen in Michigan. It happens in California. It happens everywhere. And it is so embedded in how the country operates, it's systemic, right? When you look at that, the only way to make it equal for all who live here is the uprooting and the eradication of systemic racism. What's happening is that people don't like that conversation. They don't want to have that conversation. But that's a conversation that must happen. That's a conversation that ha it's beyond conversation now, converse, you know, conversing now. Because George Floyd was killed. Daniel Perdue was killed when they, they pressed on his knee. They would never do that to a white man. You know how many white people come in contact with the police all day, every day? They don't get killed. They don't get killed by police officers. The police establishment knows that white supremacy has infiltrated the ranks of the police force. They know that the Ku Klux Klan is in the police force. Right now, while you and I are sleeping in our sleep and are thinking all is well, they're planning for an election debacle where blood will flow. We ought not to sit back. I'd sit back and think it's comfortable. We ought to stand firm. 
they're going to do everything in their power to maintain what they consider the status quo that is good for them. If you're not careful, if after the election, they might create reservations and say all black people need to go over there and live and create laws, eradicate your ownership of property and eradicate your ownership of anything and put us all to live in one place. When these things start happening, the people would go to the prophet and they would say, what do we do? Where do we go? Well, where is the prophet today? The prophets are living in the same place where white supremacy lives. So that removes them. The prophets are saying the same thing. Uh, well, see now, uh, the prophets take the middle ground. The prophets don't say, well, let me go inquire of God and see what it is that the Lord will have us do. The prophets don't say, well, we shouldn't have mixed with that. No, they're not saying that today. In fact, you can't find them. But you might just find them on YouTube and Facebook jumping tough and tell you turn around three times and high five your neighbor and everything will be all right. If that is what you want to hear, there's plenty of that. The space, the social media space is littered with that. But that's not what is to be said today. There comes a point in every one of our walks that you have to fight for what you believe. You have to stand firm. Sometimes fighting is not taking up arms, but is standing firm in what you believe. It's making sure that your voice is heard. In this democracy, one of the best ways to make your voice heard is voting. Then you do that. You don't sit back and say, well, I'm not going to do that like what happened in 2016. No, you make sure that you go and you take care of that because that's the business at hand. You make sure that you help others. You make sure that you show up and go to work if you have to, and make sure that you keep your house. You don't give people 10% of your money, and then you don't have any money to run your house. I remember years ago, I was a minister at a local church here in, in the city, and they, they, they knew that I was not tithing, so they came to me. And I said, I don't believe in that. I said, I'm a single parent. I have two children. I didn't own my home then because I was divorced, right? You lose everything in a divorce. I said, I have to take care of my children. And I have to buy food every day of the week. And I have to buy gas. And they go to school, so they always need something. So my 10% of my salary, which was a sizable contribution at the time, was about 10% every week would have been about $1,100 or $140. I think it was $140. $140 for me is buying gas for the week <laughs> and making sure that they had the money that they would need. I'm like, I can't do that. If I do that, then I won't be able to pay my rent and I won't be able to pay my car notes. And if I can't do that, how are my children going to live? You know what was the, 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 the gentleman's response, the minister's response? He said, well, find a way to make it. I said, no. I said, who are you to tell me how to live? I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, what is this, a dictatorship? I said, you realize that I come in here voluntarily. So you don't own me, and I'm, not, and I'm not here because you own me, so I'm tethered to you. So they don't like when you think like that. But, you, you know, I had to say, but Jesus said he came to set the captive free. So how come you're doing the same thing that Jesus said he eradicated? In much the same way that they preached this gospel of Malachi 3 and 8 in the Old Testament, and they never preached the part of the New Testament that says, give as you ought to give. 
They never preach that part of the New Testament. You know why? Because it's not conducive to their own ends. It's the same thing now. They rendered themselves irrelevant to what the conversation is today. The conversation today is freedom. The conversation today is the eradication of systemic racism. They never, they, God gave them enough time from the year 2000 began to recognize that there was a shift in the atmosphere, that things were shifting. That's not what they preached. When they're singing songs about a shift in the atmosphere, they wanted you to believe that if you gave money, you were suddenly going to be wealthy. That you were, if you gave them your 10%, all of a sudden, miraculously, money was just going to appear in your bank account and you suddenly were going to be wealthy. No, that's not how wealth works anyway. You and I know that. But we wanted to believe what they said because then it would overturn the system that we knew was set up against us. See, they never preached against these ills in society, how much more aware we should be that the society was not structured to empower us politically or economically. The society was always built to keep us down. If they had been doing that for the last 50 years, it would have changed slowly and irrevocably. What is happening now is that everything is coming to a bump because people are tired. Today's young generation, Generation Z and millennials are tired because they watched us, their parents and their grandparents fight the same things and they are unwilling, unwilling to fight it they're just like, I'm not going there. Do you believe what I'm saying? So now here we come to this point, unprepared for this stuff that is in front of us, totally unprepared for it. And we are like, then where did God go? God stayed in the same place. We were too lazy. We never wanted to read for ourselves. We never wanted to pray for ourselves. We listened to somebody else's version and interpretation, and took it as gospel, and now here we are stuck. Now here we are, we can't even find a prophet. Now here we are, we can't even find God for ourselves. God never left. He was still there. At the beginning of the year, I kept telling folks that I felt I had a dream that something terrible was going to happen. And I even said that when they were saying that it wasn't passed through the air, I told the people around me, in February and March, that this thing is airborne. Be careful of the air you breathe. Don't go out. When you come come in, change your clothes, wash your face, jump in the shower, don't touch anything. I was saying that to my family. Go ask them. They were saying it wasn't passed through the air. And I said, the composition of how this works is too widespread for it not to be airborne, right? You see what I'm saying? But nobody wanted to listen. That was God was speaking. Were our ears open? No. But here is the good news. The good news is that by now you realize that there are things that we're going to need God's intervention on. There's nobody else who can turn the tide and change the tide of how this is going. There is nobody else who can make it so that we can all live. Here's the thing. No matter how much money you have today, if you are not white, you are in jeopardy. You have to ask yourself, what can my money do for me if they change the laws that make it so that I can't own anything? 
You have to ask yourself, because you don't know. Do you know? Are you part of the conversations that are taking place in halls and corridors of power? Make no mistake about it. They're watching the political landscape. They're watching the social landscape, and they're thinking that people are too empowered. They're thinking people have too much available to them, so they're going to try to restrict people's freedoms in the next election cycle if they win. And here you are, sitting here, wondering what happened. I'm not wondering anymore. I know. And I am confident of this one thing. I'm going to stand firm in what I believe. I'm going to stand firm that good will overcome evil. I'm going to stand firm that no matter how they shift and shake the tide, that it is going to work together for our good because it has to. We need the United States. We need the United States to be united. We need good people running the country. We need people who have a heart for the people who live here. And we need people to recognize that you can't continue to ram systemic racism down our throats and we're just going to stand here like nothing happened. I'm a human being. I'm not part of a human being. I'm not a one-drop rule. I'm not 2% of anything. I'm a full-fledged human being. And as such, I deserve to be treated with the same dignity that you treat anybody else. Something has got to shift. And the shift is taking place, but you've got to stand firm. You've got to stand firm in what you believe nonetheless. Even if you can't find a prophet today who is going to come and tell you that it's going to change because we don't have prophets anymore because they ostracize them. They vilify them. I'm going to tell you a story that's probably going to make you laugh, but some of you might recognize it. A few years ago, I think it might have been 2007, I was in a church, and a prophet came. They didn't like her. They still don't like her. Nobody is perfect. We talk about how people at the intersection of your humanity and your divinity is how God uses people, and they never liked her. They talked about her, especially men talked bad about her. Men, some men, I don't know what's wrong with y'all. I, I don't understand how you can hate women, but still be with women. But you hate women who are powerful. And you hate women who are smart. And you hate ambitious women. Why? You need to examine that. Why do you feel that you must always be in control of women? We, you need to examine yourself. And this woman came through and she went to the pastor of the church and she said, that is the prophet pointing at me that God has called to you. That is the prophet who should be at your side. Listen to her because God speaks to her. She couldn't have done a worse thing. It's like she opened up a can of worms. It's like sitting a whole group of people on me. It's like suddenly I was walking around with a big A on my back that said assault. The end result, I had to leave that fellowship. It was so bad. I didn't even want to drive up in there. I thought they were going to slash my tires. That's how bad it was. That's the vilification. That's what prophets endure. The ostracism and the vilifying. Watch out. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, how are they? Well, I don't know. You tell me in the days of coronavirus. What do you think? Right? Not hearing from God. Eventually, they will lose their church. Not just because of the coronavirus, but because you didn't listen to the prophets. When I went and told them, appoint certain things and put certain things in place, he made sure that preacher, that owner, that, that, that man, 
made sure he told everybody else, listen, don't listen to her, don't have her come into your pulpit. None of them don't have pulpits anymore. The coronavirus is about to shut it all down. Look hard for prophets. They're probably jumping up right now on YouTube and Facebook, telling you everything is going to be all right, telling you just turn around and give at the link on their page. They're still trying to collect your money, and you are still sitting there saying, dude, people are homeless. What are you doing about it? Are you feeding the hungry? Are you giving off your wealth? Are you opening your building to house people here in the Midwest? We're about to enter into the cold season. It gets really, really cold when it's cold. I went to that preacher once and asked him, why don't you accommodate the homeless? During the cold, he said, no, I don't run a storefront church. I'm not going to open my house, my place to that. I said, why don't you give food on a weekday? He said, that's not me. He, so he wouldn't feed the hungry and he wouldn't house the homeless. But isn't that what Jesus said? If you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto me. My friends. <laughs> Today, we are faced with this. And I'm telling you right now, the next few days are going to challenge all of us. You're going to hear stuff and see stuff in news cycles that are going to make you wonder. Stand firm. The economy, the whole country, you realize how big our country is. It's not just the economy. We have other parts of our society. The whole thing is going to look like it's shifting and shaking. The closer it gets to the election, it's going to look so bad. We may even wake up on election day with an uncertain future. Pray we make it through to the elections. Pray we wake up on the other side the next morning and our country is still standing. You know that part of the, 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 the national anthem that says, and the rockets right clear, and the bombs bursting through the air gave us proof through the night that our flag was still there. Pray that old glory will still be flying over our precious America after the elections. Yes, I love America. Are you surprised? Yes, I do. This country stands for something. This country has given me and empowered me. This country stands for freedom. This country stands for love to all humanity. It's worth fighting for, and it's worth defending. This, is, this used to be the greatest nation, but we have to fight to keep ourselves in the international space. The whole world is looking to us, and we are kind of absent, fighting our own internal battles, systemic racism at an all-time high. Black kids, brown kids graduating from college with master's degrees. I can't get any work, Eric. What's up with that? Tell me, what's up with that? I read a report recently on the New York Times that uh, white employers are rehiring white workers but are not rehiring black workers. White, the person who wrote the report, had to say, I have to accept that employers are acting on their own biases. Are you hearing me? It's a deliberate, planned strategy to break up black families and break, it gives you, it's mind-blowing to be an adult and not have income. It's 
mind-blowing to not be able to take care of your family. How many people are facing homelessness right now and have to ask themselves, how did I get you? Do you know what it does to you? Do you know how it makes you feel? That's what is at stake. We have to. And it doesn't make sense we ask people, do better, do better stuff. It seems like it's falling on deaf ears. It seems like asking people in leadership to be better, it's not working. If, it's, if there was any morality or any good left, they wouldn't rehire white people and leave black people knowing that when you don't hire someone or they don't have a job, they're going to be displaced and dispossessed. That's what is happening across the country. There's a homeless coalition in Detroit. I haven't attended the last meeting because, frankly, I could not. The next one is this Friday. Hopefully, I can make it. Because the last time I attended one, I wanted to cry. We've got to get to the stage where we understand that we are our brother's keeper. Not just because you're white, but I am your keeper because I am your brother, even though you are black, even though you are brown. I have to. My friends, this has got to come back to center. This, yes, you're right. This has to come back to center. This has to come back to normalcy. The road to it is not going to be paved with good things. If we examine our history, we didn't really get here overnight. We didn't really become this great nation just because we sat up on a thing and played a harp and sang a song. No, we didn't. We had to fight for it. The battle today might not be on a physical battlefield. The battle is taking place right here. We're at war with ourselves, jostling with our morality, jostling with our humanity, that we have to do better and that we can do better and that doing better, though we feel that we have some past ancient ties that we think we should honor what our grandparents said as racist as they were, we recognize that that's not true today. That that is not conducive today to the society that we live in. And we are wrestling with ourselves. We are fighting with ourselves about how we're going to get out of this. Something is going to happen that is going to make us realize that we are each other's keeper. That we are going to have to come together. That we are stronger when our hearts are knitted together. When we black and white and brown and red and green and every color of the rainbow, we are American and we hold each other and we say, let these truths hold us. Let this be our song that we are our brother's keeper and that we depend on one another. We've got to come to together, America. We are losing it. We've got to fight for this great nation. Otherwise, we will lose the very things that make us and contribute to our good. We've got to come together. Don't fail this next one. It's coming. It's coming. This next one is coming. And it is going to be the big one. And it is going to shake us. And we're going to wonder. And we're going to turn and look at one another and realize that if there's one person you can trust, is the person who is the American. And that's when we're going to change. Thank you so much for joining me. 
on this edition of Down to Earth. Go to my page, harrykamuk.com, as well as visit my pages on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thank you to my viewers here, Eric Williams, who paid such a great and tremendous contribution this morning. Thank you so much. Be blessed, everybody. Eric, what a day. (laughs) Don't you think? (laughs) What a day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.